Welcome to On Call with Insignia, where we ring up founders, innovators, and technologists. Wherever they are, we talk about the amazing work they do, the mental frameworks that guide them, and the opportunities they see in the future. Let's dial in. Welcome to uh, Insignia Ventures' first ever online uh, panel discussion. So as it is with business around the world, tech startups around Southeast Asia are dealing with the impact induced by the coronavirus outbreak. There's certainly a lot of one-liner practical advice going around for how to survive and even thrive in these times, like cash is king. What we'd like to do in this discussion is to contextualize and concretize some of these outlooks and advice for startups in the region. To that end, we've invited uh, veteran investors and operators you can see on your screen uh, to share their experiences, insights, and best practices, particularly when it comes to fundraising and managing operations during this period. Good afternoon to all our panelists. Uh, Hello. Hello. I'd like to uh, have you guys introduce yourselves uh, one by one and then also share with the audience uh, what it's like, uh, where you are right now in terms of uh, what's happening with the outbreak, uh, how it's affecting your personal life and also uh, your business and your work. So I'll start off uh, with Lynn. Uh, okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, quick introduction. Uh, my name is Lynn. Uh, I am a, an investor and an entrepreneur. I uh, bef- I, uh, I guess before this, I was uh, a, the CEO of InGroup Ventures, um, and I was also um, the director of investment at DFJ Vina Capital. Uh, so in total, about uh, 10 years-ish of uh, venture capital investing. Uh, and then also, I've started uh, my own company, um, as well as worked at a couple startups. Um, so also in total, about 10-ish years um, as an entrepreneur or working at a startup. Perfect. Thanks so much, Lynn, uh, for that introduction. Uh, let's move on to uh, England. Yeah, hi. I uh, started and, uh, and now run uh, Insignia Venture Partners uh, along with my team. Uh, we are early stage focused uh, Southeast Asia Venture Capital Fund. Um, we invest out of actually three funds, uh, two venture funds and one opportunity fund. Uh, we close our second ben- uh, venture fund at about US 200 million, uh, 208 million to be exact, uh, late last year. Uh, and uh, now we have a portfolio of uh, companies in uh, Indonesia, Vietnam, Philippines, uh, spanning the region. Um, uh, and uh, I think this, uh, this is a timely session for us to discuss the ramification of the COVID-19 situation. And the past two weeks, I think we have been uh, all hands on deck to uh, see how we can help our companies um, over this period and have to share more over the session later. Right, exactly. So that's why we have this uh, session. And of course, last but not least, uh, we have Aaron. With, with I think the most uh, unique uh, background that I've seen so far uh, in the <laughs> webinars that I've attended. <laughs> yeah, uh, good afternoon everybody. My name is Aaron, uh, founder and CEO of this company called Caro. I hope you guys can hear me well because I am actually in a car right now in the middle of nowhere in Singapore. I just got off a, a meeting. Um, and, uh, and the context being, I was just out of a stay-home notice, like literally, I want to say 12 hours ago. Uh, so now I'm enjoying my newfound freedom. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, uh, the long and short of this is that we are Southeast Asia's largest wholesale marketplace for cars, right? So other than, you know, uh, the fact that we transact as a marketplace, we also operate our own uh, financing business. Uh, we have a fairly large loan book across uh, Indonesia, Singapore, and Thailand. Uh, and most recently, we have ventured into insurance as well, right? So as a company, we are present across Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore. Uh, we have close on to about 500 people now. Uh, we are well, I guess, uh, above a Series B, more like a Series C kind of company. And I'm looking forward to this discussion to see what we can uh, learn from each other today. Thanks, Paula. Right. Thanks so much, Aaron. Uh, so definitely... Hey, yeah, you're the dec- first person that has done a webcast that I know in a car. So uh, <laughs> Very <laughs> subtle branding. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do this. I have to do this in my home ground, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. 
Okay, so uh, definitely decades of experience among our panelists today. Uh, let's start uh, with the topic that most of the participants asked about and what this event is really about, fundraising. So I'd, I'd like to ask Lynn, uh, from your perspective, uh, how have uh, investor appetites in the region changed uh, in terms of one, industry focus, and two, uh, what investors look for in companies? So how does this current landscape today compare to uh, the previous market downturns, I guess, that you have yourself have experienced? So this is a very big question. Um, I'll try to answer or try to summarize um, as best I can. Uh, so I started my investment career in 2008 during the um, financial crisis. And so now uh, looking back, I see there are some similarities. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's slightly different in that in 2008, it was a complete meltdown of the financial markets. Right. Whereas now um, the markets are down um, and looking to, to looking toward a potential recession or highly likely a recession into the future. So it's not like a, a super fast meltdown like it was um, in 08, but they're very, very uh, similar. Um, so I want to start with kind of more high level, you know, a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurs, I've seen posts and chats um, on Facebook and online. Um, are not really sure how VCs operate, especially in a, an environment like this. Um, so I want to um, highlight a couple areas that um, will affect the startup. Um, the first one is that the, when a fund raises money to invest, uh, the fund has investors, we call LPs, right? Um, and so when you raise a fund, say it's $100 million, you don't get the 100 million right away, right? You make capital calls, when you need the money and then the LPs send the fund money when you're ready and then the fund makes the investment to the startup. So, uh, you know, I've seen entrepreneurs say, oh, why, you know, is, is money slower now? Are, are funds being uh, stingy or are they trying not to send money? Um, and that's not the case, right? It's, you know, the, the funds don't have the money right away. In a situation like this where uh, there are a lot of businesses that are short on cash, the LPs may not have money. So then when the fund makes a capital call, the LPs may be slow to send them the money. Uh, and so then therefore the fund has to be slow in dispersing the money. Uh, so that's, that's one thing I want to clear up. Um, so in case the entrepreneurs are wondering why is money slower now? Um, and then uh, the second thing is um, think about how the strategy behind a fund. Uh, usually when you raise a fund, you spend half of it to, on new investments and then you save the other half uh, for follow-on investments to help your current portfolio when they raise their next round, the current fund should continue to invest to show new investors that you have confidence in your companies, right? So that percentage is different depending on the fund, but, you know, let's say, for example, it's 50-50. So, you know, right now during a situation where things are difficult, uh, let's say you have a fund that's maybe 40% invested and there's 10% left. Well, it's highly likely they're going to be really conservative because their current portfolio may need more help than they expected. So then talking to those particular funds may not be as helpful to you. Like, so if you're a startup trying to raise money, uh, you need to find out who you're talking to. Like, who are these funds? Uh, find out how long have they been investing? How much have they already invested? If somebody's 40, 45% invested and they're looking for one final investment, you know, it may be kind of hard for you to be that one. But if you're, if you're talking to a new fund that was just raised and they have, uh, you know, most of their allocation ready still to be invested, uh, then it, you know, that, that may be, give you better odds at getting an investment. So those are kind of just two high-level things that I wanted to highlight uh, for people uh, as, as an entrepreneur starting to think about fundraising. Uh, you should understand who you're talking to. 
and, and their backgrounds, right? So, so it's not just them finding out about you. You should know about them, about the funds, um, when you go into the conversation so you understand where you stand. Um, so then, so then uh, moving on to, uh, on a high level, you know, what, you know, what is uh, going to get a fund to invest in a startup? Well, uh, I think um, the first obvious thing is that fundamentals always win. Uh, so, you know, you always want to focus on having a product that you can sell. Uh, but I would say nowadays, investors are actually okay with moderate growth uh, plus profitability, right? So whereas before, you could say, oh, we're growing at a ridiculous rate, but we're nowhere near profitability. And that would have been fine, and that actually may have been preferred. Uh, but nowadays, we're looking for companies that can survive. This is going to be a really tough period. It could last 18 months or more. Uh, so a company that's still trying to find product market fit uh, may have a tough time trying to get funding at this time. And then as far as industry focus, I mean, the obvious ones are, you know, education, healthcare, logistics, uh, all the areas that are being affected um, or being highly affected by, uh, by the, the COVID situation right now. Uh, but I would say, be careful. Um, I don't recommend going into an industry that you're not familiar with, right? So don't pivot into one of these hot sectors just because it's hot now, because this will go away, right? It could take a while, but it will go away. And then at that point, you still have to grow the company, right? So, you know, there's a balance between surviving and going down a road that you can't turn back from. Um, so, you know, I, I would say, um, if you're a current entrepreneur right now, the best would be to try to maintain as much of a, a straight line as you can, uh, but you know, keeping an eye on surviving. Um, and then for those entrepreneurs who are still looking for a concept, you don't have a concept yet, I would say consider what is the new normal after COVID, right? So uh, what are some areas where people are really thinking about now that never even occurred to them before? And I'll give you an example, uh, financial services. Right? A lot of people never planned for an emergency, and now they may be in a cash crunch. Uh, I'm talking about personal finances, not, not businesses, but you know, personal finances, now that you suddenly got laid off, both husband and wife, what do you do, right? So, so now people may start thinking more about planning for the future, planning for retirement. Um, uh, other, other industries you may want to look at would be, uh, what are people forced to do now that they didn't really have to do in the, uh, in the past? For example, you know, telecommuting and working with uh, video conferences, right? We, all, we always had these tools before, uh, but now you have to use it and you have to figure it out and you have to know how to get your webcam to work and all that. So, you know, what other things are um, people forced to use and forced to figure out? Um, and, then, and then you go in and figure out the additional pain points because of that. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, my, uh, my children talked to their um, grandmother in the U.S., and after a while, it gets boring, right? Because she's quarantined. And, um, you know, so we try to talk to her every day. But, what, you know, what can you talk to a four-year-old kid about? Um, so there is an app where, um, you, you know, it's not just the video, but you have the book that you're reading together on the screen. So instead of, you know, holding the book here and then trying to, like, show it up to the screen, um, the, the app has the, screen, the book already on the screen, right? So it's just a slight tweak to video conferencing, but it really helps... Um, keep both sides engaged. Um, so, so I would say, you know, how can you find the pain points in these new um, workflows that you're going through 
and then how can you improve upon that? Thanks so much, Lynn, for really breaking that down, sort of like a one-on-one kind of style from, from the perspective of the investors to uh, what founders can think about, especially if they're considering pivoting or, or haven't uh, started a company yet. Uh, I want to move on to Aaron, actually, and, and ask if you, has, if you have anything to add uh, to Lynn's answer and sort of from your perspective as a founder as well, uh, what the landscape has been like. Oh, the, I think the landscape has been very, very challenging uh, over the last um, last few months. In fact, I was just telling a friend of mine who is actually on this call right now that they got very lucky that they managed to close uh, their fundraise. Uh, uh, just before all these things, I mean, not even just before, but during the explosion of all this, uh, of this COVID situation. Uh, but generically, I, I think that the market has been soft already coming into the year, right? Because post-December, we, we, that's normally when we fundraise, we try to avoid uh, October, November, December. And that is uh, primarily because due to Thanksgiving and, you know, uh, Christmas and then New Year. Uh, coming into CNY, that's where we start picking up. Uh, and then move on to start fundraising. But in this particular year, it was already slow coming into the year. And then this whole COVID situation uh, makes things a lot worse. So in other words, if folks didn't start fundraising earlier on uh, of last year, or mid of last year, and, uh, and or, or if they started fundraising towards the end of last year, I think life is very, very tough, um, uh, especially coming into this, uh, because we have seen valuations drop very drastically across the board. And, uh, and you know, uh, I think as Inland mentioned, this is going to be the norm, right? So the, the, what I think what he said famously was that, oh, you know, the flat rounds are the new up rounds. But I think I, can, I could not agree more with, with that statement. Yeah. Inland, anything else to add? Uh, I think, I think Lynn and Aaron has, uh, I think, summarized the, few, uh, you know, the key points. But I just, I think, wanted to add that uh, uh, most of the people think, you know, um, and now com- companies think that, hey, they have to uh, cut costs and raise money now. But I would actually think it's the uh, worst time to raise money, uh, especially for people that you don't know. It's starting a fresh conversation right now. I think it's going to be very challenging. Um, and, and particularly because it's hard to travel, right? I mean, you can't do the investors need to do the due diligence, they need to do company visits, they need to talk to your customers. Um, at this point in time, uh, I think it's, it's, it's very challenging. Um, so actually, first thing I would point them to, especially if they are Singapore companies, is uh, you know, the, the very generous uh, resilient package that, um, um, that uh, Singapore government has, uh, has, has, has launched, uh, especially and they are quite startup friendly. Uh, and that's why we need to end the call punctually at 4 p.m. today, Singapore time, because the Prime Minister will give a state of the unit address at 4 p.m. Um, and, and let's see why he has more to say. But I would think the, the first resort is actually to try, try the government grants um, at this point in time. Um, I think the second thing is also to talk to your partners, right? To see, uh, are there any um, payment schemes that you can, you can change? You can, can you defer some of the payments? Uh, definitely defer some of the capital expenditure that you, you plan to make. Um, um, on, on, even on payroll, we have seen very creative models such as, hey, um, you know, uh, let's say a management team slash salaries by 40%, but in lieu of the pay cut, they, they, they issue a little bit more ESOP. And, uh, and, and I think when things go back to normal, they can, they can uh, you know, sort of refresh to the original pay. I think we're seeing uh, some very innovative uh, sort of cost-cutting measures. Um, and I think the, 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 the last point I would say is uh, to uh, really think creatively, I think as Dean pointed out, to uh, think of new business models, right? I think if you look at Zoom, they offered uh, free, 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 uh, free services for, uh, for schools. Amazon uh, offered free books. I think Lee's example of the um, you know you, the storybook. Uh, I think that one is a is, is a good 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 example. Um, I think also may result in um, uh, radical changes uh, in user behavior. Uh, so online education, I think, is going to change 
um, dramatically. You know, my daughter essentially just walked from the bedroom to the to the uh, living room. Uh, you know, Wednesday uh, because it was the first uh, uh, study from home day, and I I believe in Singapore it's gonna it's gonna uh, the period is gonna lengthen even more. Um, uh, I think online media, online gaming. I I, I believe um, I think uh, Riot Games uh, just released their figures that online gaming in the US uh, spiked by seventy five percent in the past two weeks. Uh, most most likely because people have a lot of time to play. Uh, so I think that 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 um, we also have some interesting green shoots uh, among our portfolio. Uh, that um, uh, a company called Easy, for example, they are doing a B two B marketplace. Um, and, and we thought their business was going to be affected by the COVID-19 situation, but it turns out that the big multinationals that uh, work with them uh, bought a lot of hand sanitizers and masks from them. So their, 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 their volume uh, spike uh, doubled uh, and uh, actually almost uh, tripled as, uh, in the past two months. So I think they are uh, always, always be on the lookout uh, for opportunities in, in crises like this. For more episodes, you can head to Insignia Business Review at review.insignia.vc. Or you can head to Spotify, iTunes, Waves, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.